So today we're going to talk about making that faith connection. Amen. Got to make that faith connection. Amen. If you're going to, amen, amen. You know, you can connect to a lot of situations and people in a lot of different ways. But you will not get the results of God until you make the faith connection in different areas of your life. So I was thinking about all the different areas we we need to make the faith connection in. And and so I kind of narrowed it down to three. And I thought it would be good. We need, number one, to connect to God through faith. Number two, connect to yourself through faith. And number three, connect to the natural world through faith. So if you make the faith connection in all those necessary areas, you'll get the necessary and and good results that God wants you to have in every situation in your life. If you don't make the faith connection, you won't get get what's desired. You know, you, you you'll get something uh, kind of a um, a monster mash, I guess you could say, a mixture. I always think about, uh, when I used to think about the supernatural power of God, you know, before I really knew the word and things like that, I would always be afraid. i said, well, suppose it don't work out right, you know. I always remembered, uh, um, this was a commercial when I was, not a commercial, a cartoon when I was younger. It was Milton the Monster. And they was, you know, this guy was mixing up some stuff and he came out all goofy and crazy and every kind of thing. And I always think about creating monsters. But, you know, if, if you realize that we have a covenant with God that's, that has promises from his word, God does everything well. Everything he touches is perfect. And so we can trust this God when we make the faith connection with him because everything that he does turns out perfect. So often we try to modify what God has planned for us, don't we? We just don't quite trust him. We could just add a little bit of this to it or take away a little bit of that. You know, it's a good thing we weren't around during creation, especially women. Because we be, now that you know, John, you know that ain't going to come out right. Now why don't you take that off of there? Don't put her eyes, two eyes beside each other. Put one of them eyes in the back of her head because she's going to need to know how. You know what I'm saying. And so we want to direct everything and, and mess it up. Because you can't perfect what God, he perfects what concerns us. We don't perfect God. And so if we trust God. We'll be able to expect for him to perform according to what his word says he will do. And it'll have the character of God in it too. See, it'll have his holy, flawless character will be reflected in everything that he touches. And so when we make the faith connection with God, we need to expect things to line up according to his word. Just like you see it in the Bible, that's just the way it's going to happen uh, in your life according to your faith, according to the proportion of faith that you exercise. So if you'll turn to Hebrews 10.38, that's where we're going to start. There are several scriptures in the Bible, and I can give you the references if, you, if you're keeping notes. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38 we're going to speak about today. Hebrews 10.38 says, <clears throat> where is it? 
Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back. After you've said you believe God. And you step back and alter that. If any man draw back. My soul will have no delight in him. Or my soul shall have no pleasure in him. He says but we're not those people who draw back into perdition or draw back into the loss of, of uh, God's salvation. But we're those people who believe to the saving of the soul. So once you, you begin believing God, you continue to believe him. You don't draw back because you don't get something like you want. I was thinking about the example that I gave yesterday about the young man that and his wife were uh, padlocked out of their apartment, you know, and I, I, uh, God led me to uh, take some, some ability I had for a hotel and extend that to them. And so he was uh, complaining about the hotel where they were and all of that. And so I prayed with him uh, the, that day that the next place they go, got to, God would give them something, you know, to their liking. Now, you know and I know that if you don't get it the first time you pray, what do you do? You continue to believe God. And I don't care if you pull my toenails out, I'm going to believe God. You got me? And so, but what he did was his soul drew back because he started complaining. See, that's an example of your soul drawing back. If you believe God... You are putting your confidence, number one, in his ability, his word, his integrity, his character. Everything that is God is on the line in everything that we, he promises us and everything we ask for. So what you're doing when you draw back is what you say is this God has no truth. This God has no character. This God is not trustworthy. He has no integrity. He has lied to me. He's not doing what he said he was going to do because it doesn't come when you want it. Well, it's true anyway. You see what I'm saying? And so that's why God has no delight in a soul that draws back from him. You say you're going to step out here and trust God with this. You step out and it doesn't happen the first time you step out. Well, it's not. Magic is faith. See, if you believe God, there's a substance inside of you that can't lie to you. We don't know why it don't show up right away, but this substance tells me it's the right thing to do to believe him. God gives you faith so that you can live in the material world as a person who belongs in heaven. If you were, were uh, separated from your family, in order to stay hopeful of contacting them, there must be something that you have to draw on and rely on that puts you there even though you're away. You see, people, there are people who have you know, been kidnapped. You know about the girls that were separated for 10 years in this city from their families. Everybody has something they held on to as a remembrance from home so that they could know that they could get there one day. Huh? 
click your heels three times and say it. There's no place like home. I don't care what you got. We have faith to hold us and connected to heaven because that's our home. Your spirit belongs in heaven. But you stay here and you live here because you have a connection here because God created the earth with us in mind. So we have a, a, a place here, but our home is really there. So when you use your faith for something, you have evidence of something you haven't seen yet because that's how it is in heaven. It's already there in heaven and you're connected to heaven by faith, by trusting in what heaven has for you. So that's how you can laugh when your boss decides they think they want to fire you or give you a heart. That's why you can go in the bathroom, you know, instead of having a meltdown and pity party and cry, you can laugh. Huh? Because what you have is not dependent upon what he says anyway. Now, granted, if he don't like your work, you need to straighten that up. But once you straighten that up and you decide you're going to do better, do it right this time, then God's right back there in your favor. Like you never did nothing wrong. That's really hard to believe. But if you can allow yourself to accept that, (laughs) that's the way God works it. That's the way he works it. It says here, the just shall live by faith. What does that word just mean? Justification is a decision or principle that judges a person right, holy, or innocence. So it's a decision that was made by who? By God. He says anybody who believes in my son and what he did to atone for your sins. Not what you can do to not do anything wrong again. I wish Christians would get over that. You know, I wish we really just get over that. Like somebody's trying to indict you for some great wrong that you did. That's been so long forgiven and erased off of your record. That means when you're justified, there's been a decision rendered that says you're not guilty of that anymore. Huh? You've been rendered innocent of that. This is what keeps, you know, Christians who, who stumble, so to speak, you know, and get, get caught up in the wrong crowd again after they're saved. You know, get a little weak, get bored, and get stupid and run off and smoke something they're not supposed to smoke or sleep in somebody's bed they're supposed to be in. See, that's a sermon that plays good all the time. Somebody's either thinking about it, done done it. Huh? So you're keeping them from doing that. You know, that one's free. You just throw that out there for whoever it falls on. Huh? <laughs> Somebody's always thinking lewd and lascivious. <laughs> so that was that lewd, lascivious thought. We kill that one whenever we can. You know, you always do that. You know, older people think like that. You know, some of these people that's older than me shock me. Huh? You know, they got all these little drugs you can take. You see these old people barely get up on a cane and, I, can I get my Viagra? I said, by who? I can get my Viagra refilled. To do what? No, don't even ask. I'm not going to even ask you what you're doing with it. 
But see, people who who make mistakes in error after they're saved. See, if we understand justification, we understand that this is no free ride to sin. People who live right sometimes get accused of having a free ride because they've accepted the atonement. They understand justification. I'm just really glad I don't have to get nailed to the cross for all the wrong I've done. I appreciate what God did for me. But I also know this, that when I do sin, I have an advocate, I got a lawyer that's paid up already. I don't have to get a retainer to go see him. It's paid up already. And he goes to bat for me in the throne room of grace. And that unmerited favor of God falls back on my life if I'll accept it by faith. It's a faith connection. And it's not a free ride because I feel bad when I do wrong. I don't know about y'all, but I feel bad when I do wrong. But I know I can't do much right if I continue to feel bad. So I receive the atonement. It purges my conscience from guilt and dead works. And all that stuff that which wants, makes you want to sit in the penalty box because you did wrong. And see what's wrong with Christians sitting in a penalty box instead of confessing their sins? Is that the devil will send you some company while you're in the penalty box. He'll send the lewd lascivious to keep you company and get you right back in the same sin again. And then he convinces you that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to empower you to walk away from temptation when it comes to your life. That's why you got so many people in the church wanting to get married legalized fornication they just marry their sin see but if you understand justification you understand that you are cleansed from all unrighteousness and you can expect to live holy and expect God to bring you somebody that lives holy you don't have to go for second best you don't if you under if if you're just now there's a part of justification. You understand what I'm saying? Religious people like to keep people in the penalty box. Where they think they're not in there because they never do anything wrong. They gotta be justified too if they're gonna live for God. See, they've got to get up out of their self-righteous judgment of everybody else's life and start living by faith, too. Yeah, and understand, I'm just one snare away from cashing it all in. I'm just one snare away from feeling bad about myself just like that brother who stumbled did. I'm just one snare away. You got me? Just one snare away. Biggest snare is assuming you can live without the blood atonement. Every day of your life. You'd want to quit serving God over looking at a soap opera or something if your mind ain't in the right place. You understand me? There's so much raunchy stuff out here that your eyes can behold. If you're not careful, you'll start to, to feel that you can't, you can't say no to certain things. And you've got to feast on certain things because you're so weak. 
But when you understand justification, God has made you acquitted, holy, righteous before him. He sees you as righteous. You've got to connect with faith to that thing. You've got to believe that. That when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. What good would, would forgiving be without cleansing? If you're cleansed, you don't think dirty. If you're cleansed, you don't expect to do wrong. If you're cleansed, you don't accept second best in life because you, you think you've made a mistake that, that can never be corrected again. Do you understand me? That's what justified and cleansed people do. That's the way they think. They don't get hung up on their sins, nor do they get hung up on anybody else's. You're not watching other people to see their faults and adding that up. They don't do this right. They don't do. You keep watching me. You're going to see me make a lot more mistakes. Because I'm out here fighting for my life. I'm out here trying to serve God the best way I can amidst a lot of crazy devils and a lot of crazy church people. Huh? You know, you, you get. You get people, you get involved with people, you think you have good relationship, you know, with people. You know, preachers. They come and, you know, well, they preach pretty good tonight. Show up one time, they're in a bad mood, tick everybody off and want all your money. And and see, part of you knows what to do with people like that and would want to do it. But the just shall live by. You realize you're a justified person. Huh? The devil can bring it back to you. Well, you know, they just rip off people. They took advantage of y'all. No, we did what we did out of the purity of our hearts. And we can forgive them and God will bless us. And we will keep going and we will keep. You understand what I'm saying? You don't indulge in that that dark stuff justified people don't indulge in. You know, you don't partake of that because you have no desire to feed your soul with, with a lot of darkness and damnation. And so when you're justified, you understand that you can release other people to be blessed, not vindicated against. When you release people, you release them to be blessed. You're not looking for God to get them because they did something to you. Look at all the people you do something to and he don't get you. You looking for a blessing too. <laughs> if he passed by your door with the get thing, you you know, just feel blessed and, and keep living. If you give mercy, you'll get mercy. You'll be a merciful person. You'll learn how to, uh, you know, get beyond what you see. If, as far as people are concerned, anybody can, can look at the superficial and make a judgment. It takes a real holy person to look beyond that and see that person's fault, uh, heart and see their, their desire for God and see that they continue to go after God. You, you understand me? Or if they don't go after God, that's a human being made in his image. And I have to respect what God's created. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, we get beyond these things when you're a justified person. So in justification, there's a decision made and a principle set forth that judges you right, holy, and innocent. And this makes us 
equitable in character with God. Not equitable in, in position, empowerment, authority, or endowment, but it makes us equitable in character with God. So the righteousness that God imputes to us is not our own. Which means this, that it's not canceled by your no-nos. The devil prods people to nullify divine righteousness and pick up trying to do it on their own when we make mistakes. Because he makes us ashamed to go to God and confess them. You know, people people listen to a lot of trash they shouldn't listen to. You know, they a lot of times I tell people all the time, y'all watch too much Christian television. You know, you can watch secular stuff because you know they sinners. You know what to expect. But when there's somebody up there preaching and telling you what you believe is the truth, you and you. That's why God assigns you to a local assembly. Because he can work relationship between you and that individual so that you at least know. Well, I know Pastor Barb. She's still winting on that leg. So she ain't running in no bars that night. She ain't got that kind of energy. You know, we keep her winting on that, that, you know. Then I had to drop back and grab Eddie again. Help me get around there for a minute. You know, I ain't going to nobody's bar unless I'm shaking my cane at somebody. Get me a drink, Sonny. I mean now. And a stiff one. I had a hard day preaching at people. Could you imagine such a thing? (laughs) So that you have an opportunity to evaluate their personal character. But see, people like Christian television because they don't know your character and you don't know theirs. So we like distance sometimes because we don't want accountability. You know, you don't want the, the preacher to say, well, you know what? I see you've been having financial problems for X. How's your giving? You were doing better when you were giving regularly. But see somebody, you send $10 in an envelope here and there, they don't know anything about you. They just know they got your $10. That's right. <laughs> Yours and somebody else, a whole lot of other people's too. Because y'all don't want to go to church and be accountable nowhere. But you know, there's a lot of people preaching on grace now. People, one of the people that teaches on grace is very popular. And they will preach to people that, well, if you, if you uh, have been forgiven, you don't have to continue to confess your sins every time you sin. Now, let me tell you what kind of people like that stuff. See, this TV preaching stuff falls under the category sometimes of itching ears. Now, the Bible warns against that heaping teachers to yourselves because your ears are itching to hear certain things that you like to hear. It appeals to people who have some issue that they can't move beyond or something that is hindering them from moving forward and they feel that they're okay with God, which they probably are to a degree. 
But if there's something that I've been praying for that I desire in my life and it has not yet come, there's a, there's a disconnect there that I need to investigate between me and God. Well, instead of investigating that between me and God, I pick up on something that tells me I'm okay anyway. Anything that tells you you can have God and do less for him is a lie from the pit of hell. You understand me? Anything that tells you you don't have to confess your sins, but yet they encourage you to confess the word when you want something from God. Is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible clearly says if you confess your sin, if you say it, you need to say you wrong. Yes, yes. See, and that's the other group of people that appeals to. People don't want to be wrong. They don't want to say that. They don't apologize. If you notice, they're the most arrogant, boastful people. They don't apologize to anybody. They'll do underhanded, dirty things to people in the church. And they never, ever go and make peace with the brother. Because they don't make peace with God. And so that kind of stuff appeals to them. They, oh, good, I don't have to, I can go through life cussing people out and doing anything I want to. I don't have to confess no sins. I got a free pass to do whatever I want to. That's not justification. That's far from it. Because that steps on the blood of Jesus like it's just like the Romans did when he was bleeding all over Rome and they walked through and stepped on his blood and treaded under their feet like it was nothing. We're not Romans. We're people who believe to the saving of our souls. So in justification... We are equitable in character with God, which means that you can appear at the throne of God. Whenever you desire something, you're welcome there as a son. Not the son, but a son. Jesus is the full heir, and we jointly inherit what he has. So the Bible says that we are all joint heirs with Christ. He is the, the elder brother. In, in Hebrew culture, the elder brother was always left the whole of the family inheritance. A lot of people have taught it's a double portion, but that's not true. He was the executor of the family estate. And he had, he had authority over all of it. He had possession over it. He had rulership over all of it. It all belonged to him. But it was also understood that in, in, in family uh, um, uh, distributing of the wealth of a family, all of the other children got an equal portion. And But he had to be responsible for everything, and he had to oversee everything. So it was kind of in his hands to manage. And if any of the other heirs did not perform what they were supposed to perform, he could repossess that from them because he was in, in charge of it. That's what Jesus is. He is the heir of everything in the earth, and we are joint heirs with him according to the proportion of our faith. How much can you believe God to do for them? That's your inheritance. The Bible clearly tells us if you're faithful, he'll make you ruler. If you manage the little bit God has for you down here and do it well, 
he will elevate you and make you ruler over much. There's, there are, are parables that talk about God giving uh, uh, an inheritance to people according to their ability. Your ability increases with your godly character. You can manage more if you let God develop you more. You just let yourself wait for him to send you something instead of going out trying to tear up the world getting it for yourself. And getting the wrong thing. You let yourself develop the character of God. Uh, the character of Christ. Who was able to, to count himself of no reputation. And come down here as a mere mortal person. And submit himself to the will of the Father. Obey the Father. Knowing he could do whatever he wanted to do. Any time he wanted to do. Just like we do. You do whatever you want to do. You can serve God and you don't have to. But we know, all know better. Well, how, where are you going to go? And how far are you going to run to get away from God? You know you won't succeed in that. So we, knowledge, faith knowledge comes in to help us to understand you're just going through a thing right now. Just ride it out, it'll pass. You understand what I'm saying? And God is faithful. He'll give you what you're looking for. Get in some joy and act like you got it already. It seems to come sooner. So we know the rules. The road rules, you know. But God wants us to live as justified people with his character down here on earth. He wants to see, it's just like you with your children. You want to see your children do well. You want to see them get good grades. You want to see them get good jobs. You want to see them serve God and prosper. You want to see all of those things. God wants to see the same thing for us. You know, when your kids mess up, what do people say? I didn't raise you like that. See, you're looking for character out of them, aren't you? Above all things, you're looking for character. If they, if they only got as far as McDonald's for the rest of your life, you're looking for character out of them. So justification makes us equitable in character to God. And fit to use holy faith to live. So when the Bible says the just shall live by faith. He's talking about the faith of God. That's, that's your entitlement. You are entitled to live by the faith of God. And get the results that God would get. Because you're using his faith to bring it into a world that's against it. So when you think about how long it takes for something to come into your life, think about it has to come from the, the realm of glory into earth and that there's somebody else who's got a lease on the earth that doesn't want you to have nothing. It's not your husband that doesn't want you to have that. It's not your boss that doesn't want you to have something. You know, it's not the landlord who doesn't want you to have something or whoever it is in authority. It's the devil that's fighting you for everything. He likes to get saints into some kind of self-condemnation where we don't feel worthy to receive from God so he can rob us blind. If he can get you to tie yourself up in jail and imprison yourself because of something you did wrong, he loves it. Because you just sit by and let him take everything out the house. He got the, the furniture. He got the kids. He got the keys to the car now. He got everything. So if you can sit there and feel condemned and feel unworthy, 
you've already tied yourself up and it makes it so easy for him to steal from us. Many times we don't want to fight for what God's promised us because we don't feel like it. Well, you know, if I do that, maybe God won't. You understand what I'm saying? When all he's waiting for is for us to use our authority and command the enemy to lose. Act like a justified person even though you feel like a hockey puck. <laughs> you got me? You got to act like a justified person. You know, a lot of things in faith you go through the motions. Your members don't accept it. Your brain can't handle it. Nothing else seems to line up with it. But faith isn't just that. It pays no attention to the seen realm. It only deals with the unseen realm. And that's what you're hoping to bring into your life is what's not seen. Man, we got enough seen stuff out here. We need to get something new on the scene. When you start praying and asking God for for what he's promised you, you want to get a vision of what's yours. You don't want to keep looking around at what your neighbor's got and wishing you had that. You want what's fresh and, and new and belongs to you. You don't want your neighbor's bills. You don't want your neighbor's headaches. You don't want your neighbor's nothing. You want what God has for you. Justified people know that there's something laid up for them. That will be an asset to their lives. And they'll enjoy it. It'll be pleasurable to them. Why? Because you you understand the character of God. He's flawless in his character. Jesus said, how many of you, if your kid asks you for bread, that you give him a stone? Or if he asks you for some meat, you give him a, a scorpion. Something that's going to kill him and sting him and be hard. No, you know how to give good gifts. And just like that, your father knows how to give good. He said, you evil people. Your father is holy. He's perfect. If you know how to expect and give good gifts to you, how much more do you think God will give to you? So you don't have to be afraid to trust God. You know, if, if, if there's something you need in life, you know, you can just put that out there and not go scouting for anything in the natural. Don't help God to find what's yours. Maybe yours hasn't even been created yet. Yours hadn't even been made yet. Well, I know God will do it for me. There are people sitting on death row. Some of them been there 30, 40 years. Now they're on a waiting list to have evidence in their case examined for DNA. And there are people getting out of death row. Because their DNA don't match what was found on the body of the person, inside the body of the person, on the weapon that they use. None of that stuff. Now tell me, why did God create that test? You don't think he created to get them people off a death row and put the right people in the electric chair? I think so well he did. You don't think somebody's mama might be praying for her son that she knows he's innocent and he knows he had got a good alibi and they put him up there. You don't think God answers prayer and creates tests for people like that? Of course he does. You don't think he'll create something for you that you're asking for? Of course he will. I don't care how long it takes. Justification is fearless. And sometimes that's what's hindering our answer, our own fear. 
of what would happen if we had that. Our own uncertainty. How would my life change if that prayer got answered? What would it require of me to be able to do that? I know since I've gotten older, I realize physical limitations now. You know, you used to just get up out of the chair, and now it comes with sound effects. <laughs> and extra help. <laughs> so, you know, I used to look at ministry like, well, you know, God, whatever you want me to do. But now I think twice. See, that shouldn't be. It shouldn't be there. See, I let fear come in because of what I feel to be limitations and alter my faith about what God can use me to do. So now I've got to go back and, and lay that foundation again where I'm fearless in my expectation of what you know God would have me to do for him. So this thing grips us. You know, it's lurking there all the time, wondering, because we would rather have something that's already here than to believe God for something we have not seen. Just depends on what side of your spiritual bed you wake up on. See, if you wake up on the fear side and in a carnal frame of mind, you just as soon take anything to get the pressure of believing God off of you. Huh? Just want to get this over with. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of, you know, this mental thing where you're uncertain one day and you're sure the next day. and You get tired of that. And you'll just take anything. See, that's when the devil comes in. Because the minute you drop your expectation of God and you go looking in the natural, that's when the enemy can give you something natural to take the place of what you believe God for. Then you're mad at God because you're blaming him for sending that to you. Then your fear created that. Job woke up one day and everything he held dear was gone. Then he knew what it was almost immediately. He said, the thing that I greatly feared. See, in all his great possessions and all of his great wealth, he let slip his rock-solid connection to God. See, if you, I'm going to tell you, that's usually the root of what we do when we veer off course. We've let slip our rock-solid connection to God. And we need to reconnect again. We need to go back and visit those times where we just were excited about God all the time. And we couldn't wait to do something for God. And you, you know, it's still in there. That, that little thing that, that you know you used to live out of years ago as a justified person without a care in the world, totally innocent, that can come back again. So you can't let that fear continue to hover over your life because it'll, it'll box you in. It'll hem you in and make you unable to function and expect good things to come in your life. So you got to keep yourself free to expect what's good. Justified people know how to adjust their thinking to continue to expect only good at the hand of God. And that if something happens that's not good or that's not what they desire, God will work it together for their good. But you keep your faith in God. So, so righteousness is imputed to us by the Spirit of God. It's not our righteousness and thank God for that. Because it works to pull things from the realm of glory 
So you've got to have holy faith to reach into glory and touch something. And so as long as you continue to, to manifest that righteousness, that holy faith works to pull that good thing towards you. Most people know how to, to reel it in. See, when you're expecting something, especially things like money and healing, we know how to do that. We know how to shut everything down that's against what we prayed for. Huh? We do. You know, even your, your family members know how to get in that with you. Now, come on now, kids. We're, we're expecting God to pay this bill for us, and we're not going to speak anything negative. You're not going to ask for any money for McDonald's. We're going to shut everything down, and we're going to live here. We're going to worship God. We're going to thank God for blessing us and bringing that to us. Same thing with mom and dad when they're sick. We're going to believe God. You're going to shut all this negative talk down. You're not going to ask me how I'm feeling. You're not going to look at my symptoms. We're going to trust, trust God and believe that I am healed. We all know how to do that. You got me? That's how you maintain righteousness. See? When you step out, that's how you maintain. There are some other things that are for our development, our character development, that may take longer. And this is where the rubber will meet the road and skid off the road and pick it up and keep going again. But you still believe God for that, you see. You've got to make sure that you're, you're maintaining your righteous position. You know, God, I know this is right. I asked you for it. It's been many years that this has not happened for me yet. But I'm still maintaining my righteousness in it. I still desire. Don't let your negative thoughts alter it. From what you originally. That's why a lot of times it's good to write down your prayer request and what you're expecting from God. Huh? You can give her that medicine now, okay? <laughs> I know it's a bad joke. <laughs> My nurse thing came out real quick. <laughs> That's Pastor Gigi's girl, Ely. Praise the Lord. She got a little birthday coming up soon. Praise God. But sometimes just the weight will cause you to alter what you ask for. Amen? Lord, I used to want, you know, somebody who was my spiritual equal. Now, it'd be okay if they don't go to church. You don't want one of them. They won't let you go either. See, you think you're strong. You're strong when you're by yourself. But you have to live with somebody and get along with somebody that ain't really feeling God like you are. <laughs> be, a, be a toughie. And so we, we have to understand that when God hears our prayers, a justified person at the end of the day will say, You know what, God, it didn't come today. And I'm feeling not good about that. But I still know you know best and I trust you. And you know when this thing is going to happen in my life. And I trust that this is, this is the devil trying to get me to break trusting you. I want you to know I trust you even in this I don't understand. Look at Joseph in prison. Falsely imprisoned. Sold as a slave by his brothers. Just because God gave him a dream. Be careful when God gives you a dream, a prophecy, you know, any word from God that's like the money in the bank kind of thing. It settles a lot of problems for you. It settles a lot of questions for you. It provides a lot of answers for you. 
and, and you make up your mind you're going to step into it. You have to be careful because there's all kinds of dream killers out there. Number one, the devil doesn't want to see you successful. He can't do a lot with successful Christians. So he doesn't want to see you successful. He don't want to see you have the experience of your faith working. Because he knows once you get a taste of that, man, you can, they, Christians, when they know they, they have touched heaven, they don't even want to be bothered with earth no more. They don't want to eat. They don't want to sleep. They don't want to do nothing but stay in the realm of heaven all the time. So he doesn't want you to have these kinds of successes because they live, leave an indelible imprint on your spirit, which he cannot touch. He messes with your mind all the time. He get involved with your body if, if he can, but he can't touch your spirit. So anything that will, will uh, augment your spirit. If you ever pray, if you pray, now we, we kind of depend on Pastor Shirley to, to minister the baptism in the Holy Spirit to people because she's just uniquely gifted to do that. You understand? If we would practice it more, we could all do it, but I don't even bother with it because I think she, <laughs> anybody she prays for, they'll receive. And I just, you know, send them on over there with my little faith, you know, tagged on there so it looked like I showed up for church, you know. But uh, if you'll notice that when you get ready to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost, there starts to be a little chaos around you, a little confusion. Sometimes people get up and start walking all of a sudden. Sometimes they want to come and lay hands and get curious. That's because that's something that's going to be imparted to that person's spirit where the devil can't touch it. Once you get tongues, he can't take that from you. Now he can get you goofy and, and not praying. In, in using it, but God knows how to get you to use it again. All you got to do is get real broke. Oh yeah, it's still there. I, you know, I hadn't used tongues in so long, I thought I was gone. No, he's still there. Waiting for you to get broke so you can recognize he's there to help you. I mean, if nothing else. At least you prayed in, the, in tongues. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> But see, the enemy wants to, to get you to the point where you never have these spiritual experiences. Where your spirit is never touched by the power of God and the authority of God so that you know how that works. Or he'll get you involved in just doing things in God with little understanding of how they happen. That's the other dumb thing that happens to us. We don't, we don't seek to understand how to repeat these things and live consistently by faith. And so if he can get you messed up in either realm, he'll do that. But God intends for us to have spiritual experiences so that our spirits can be touched with his power and we can understand most holy faith. We can understand what we have when we live by faith and not by sight. We can understand that that's not anything to be afraid of. And scared of. Now when you tell people you'll be healed by faith. Everybody gets nervous. You know. And you know if we were going to do a purse check. We all pack it. You know I don't care if you got nothing but aspirin. Ibuprofen or Motrin or Pamprin. Or, uh, what's, that, what's that other one? Uh, no, 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 no. The girl pill. 
my dog. Yeah, Pastor Shirley told me she took one recently. I said, you get a mite all and I can. But she said it worked. Somebody gave it to her for a headache. They said, these work real good. You know. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Harlem. Erlene, Miss Sister Erlene, honey. She was packing some. I said, shoot, I need to get into a might all, old might all club or something. <laughs> I'd hurt somebody if I had a chance to take one today. Anywho, <laughs> but uh, where was I? Now I was talking about, y'all have made me lose my spot. No, but when you talk about living by faith, that scares people. You know what that is? That's weak flesh knowing that his days are numbered. That's a good sign. When somebody mentions faith and living by faith and getting your healing by faith and all this stuff by faith and you get nervous, that's a good sign because weak flesh is about to get crucified and your spirit is about to take over. So when you're justified, you prefer living by faith. That's a preference. And you keep that preference in your life. If I have a decision to make, you know, I, I could have easily gone to the doctor. My knee was swollen three times the size it normally is. You understand what I'm saying? I could easily have gone, you know, and but my confidence is not there anymore. See, to withdraw my faith from God, in fact, there's, there's uh, uh, kings in the Bible that died, got a death sentence from God because they consulted physicians and didn't go to him. Huh? People like uh, 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 um, voice, the voice of healing people around the turn of the century, that crowd that Lillian uh, Yeomans ran with, they call you a backslider if you went to the doctor. Once you got saved. You understand what I'm saying? So they totally believed that you went to God first, and if you went to him first, he would deliver every single time. And they had the anointing to back it up, see? We can't do that to people now. Now we soft pedal everything, keep people confused, you know, go to the doctor, they go to the doctor, refuse to take the pills because they think faith is going and not taking the pills. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's whatever your confidence is in, but let God be sovereign in your life. You know, God, I'm slipping out here to ER, you know, just line them up so ain't no drunks treating me you got me the doctors ain't having no off day the machines ain't broke they don't draw blood and give me hepatitis with the bad needle i mean you know you got a lot of praying to do so to me if you can pray all that in line for you you can pray and believe god to take it away just like don't tell me y'all be rushing up in these medical places with no covering and getting yourself covered you know, so that it's right for you. Do you know the devil loves to see Christians come into the emergency room? Because he knows how to line up the worst of the worst and get them right on your case. He loves that stuff. There was some woman that, that was a Christian. She messed up and went to one of these 
uh, spiritual healer type people. You know, the people that call themselves doing surgery on you. And she had had back problems for years. And she said that they even gave her painkillers and she felt every finger, every hand they put. She said she was in torturing pain. Christian didn't believe God didn't trust God didn't pray didn't just submit herself because she was in such agony she was in so much more agony I bet she went to God then now she gives her testimony about how God will quickly heal his children if they'll believe in him huh so you don't want to get on that side, especially if you can believe. I'm not talking about if you really know that that's where you're at and you accept that, but you're trusting God through it. I'm talking about if you can believe and your soul draws back from God because you give more respect to that fear than you do to anything else. You can get nervous every time. You're going to experience that fleshly nervousness every time you get ready to do something for God. Just use it. Just look at fear as a diving board that you spring off of into the realm of faith. Uh, he going to show up at the party anyway. So just step on him and just bounce up and down and just dive over into the pool of faith. Huh? Don't respect him. Say, oh, fear, you came to come up. We can really have a party now. I didn't know you was here. Huh? I'm the God is getting really ready to show out because I'm going to show you. I'm going to trust him through this. You see? And so if you're a justified person, you desire to live by faith. You want to live by faith. You don't want to live natural anymore. But in order to do that, you've got to pull out all your natural helps and put God in there. You can't, you can't say you're trusting God and don't do what he says. You're going to do what he says down the line. And God's going to make you prove that you trust him. Trust me, he will do that. Because he needs to see it and you need to see it. We need to see that trusting God means you live a certain way. Trusting God means you expect certain things from God. Trusting God means that you don't look to man for any kind of a handout. Trusting God is just that, trusting God. And so when we trust God, we put certain things over into his control and we don't take them out. You got me? They're totally under his control and they stay under his control. So that you can expect good to result out of this. You can expect your prayers to be answered. You can expect yourself to be strengthened in the character of God on the inside. As Ephesians says, the the, the apostle prayed that they would be strengthened with might and with power by his spirit in the inner man. That's what you want. The inner man will keep you being strong even though on the outside it looks like you need to get nervous. On the outside it looks like the devil is really going to win this one just like he's been telling you he's going to. But if you're a justified person. You will expect God to deliver and you expect God to be on time. He's never late. I've never known anybody got an answer to God to a prayer from God and sent it back because it was too late. So it's always on time. You understand me? Whenever he sends it, that's the time for it. It wasn't time when you said it was time. But he sends what he sends and it's on time. How are we doing, little Howard? Oh, wonderful i can do a lot with that all right so when we know we're justified there's an inner knowing you must have we boldly and confidently approach god by faith 
expecting to receive what we desire. We are to use this faith as the righteous, flawless, always successful way to live our lives. So faith is never is never wrong to believe God for something. And it's never too late to use your faith in God for something. Well, Pastor Barb, I was believing God for so-and-so and it didn't happen. Are you dead yet? Huh? Well, you know, I, I was believing him that I would get married before I was whatever and, and have kids and all that kind of stuff. Well, are you dead yet? Huh? See, most women living in this day and age say they want kids, but they don't want but one or two. You understand? Because that's all you can manage is you know, all the Xboxes and stuff they want. Now, see, you know, one or two is is really it. And once you pass all the baby showers and stuff like that, you didn't give it and contributed to that, and they ain't give none for you, and you about forty something. You think, well, I don't know now. See that I don't know now. That pushes the marriage off a little, huh? If you're serving God and you're content to serve God and you know you know you you have a career or life or something like that and you pass the quote unquote fertile baby stage, you can still serve God and have a happy life. It ain't over for you. Amen. Amen. Don't listen to all these married people trying to pump marriage up like it's all this and all that. Amen. Marriage is marriage. People are people. It's what you make it. And if you don't feel confidently invested in that area in your life, you can go to God to get him to help you to change on the inside so that you can, can, can have a house and have a husband and all that kind of stuff. But still, you got a, a bailout. Look at Abraham and Sarah. They were so old, they named their kid Joke. Because that's exactly what people did when they showed up with their baby. Everybody laughed. So they said, we're going to be the first ones to laugh. We're going to call him joke. So that when we look at him, oh, Lord have mercy. I can't believe God did that. Huh? It's true. So it's never too late to use your faith. Never too late. See, it's because we think so natural most of the time. Everybody's thinking biological clock. Everybody's thinking, well, you know, now I got a job that I got I would have to have a sitter or something like that, you know, all the time, everything. Listen, that's the end thing now. Don't nobody stay home and take care of their kids. That's true. That's true. They all give them to somebody else to raise. It is. Yes, it's true. So you know what I'm saying? You know, if, if God helps you in that respect where you can get the right person. And it's a person that does a good job with them and is, is, is trustworthy and all that kind of stuff. That may work out for you. But all I'm saying is don't cancel the expectation of the prayer because of the passage of time. And don't think God can't alter that so that you can have the things that you desire even though you feel the, the circumstances are not ideal for you to have that at this point in your life. You understand me? God has many, many ways to answer prayers that we have. It may be a very creative thing that he does for you that will get you in it. But always leave that door open for God to bring that promise to you. I don't care how much time passes. You got me? Sometimes the passage of time will make you more realistic about life. Sometimes people need to get a little bit older before they learn how to respect other people 
and will respect the spouse in a marriage. You know, people, a lot of people have that history, got married too young. You know what that means? That means that they didn't have, that wasn't their choice in some respect. They were pressured into it. They were expecting one thing and weren't smart enough to listen to elders, parents, or whoever to guide them to the right time and the right person and all of that. So they were immature in their decision and didn't realize that how important a decision it was to make and, and have God in it 100%. Listen, God is a creator. He's not a cosigner. Huh? What he has for you, he creates, tailor makes for you. Especially in a marriage. When it says he he brought the the woman was a help meet. That word meet means fit. Perfectly suited and perfectly fitted by God. And he intends to do that for everybody who gets married. Perfectly suited and perfectly fitted for you. He doesn't co-sign who you shacked up with. You know, Christians like that kind of stuff. They like finding somebody and they say, well, we're going to pray. The time to pray was three years ago before you met one another. You don't just start praying. See, what people think is prayers. I wish I get somebody. That's not giving it to God. That's not expecting God's best. See, in order to expect God's best, you've got to understand righteousness. Because most of us are take anything kind of people because we don't, we don't understand righteousness. Righteousness means you can sit down and I don't care how many men or women you done slept with or both. If you're a righteous person, you'll know that past is under the blood, never to be considered again. And you can expect God to bring you somebody pure and holy and just who will work and take care of you and honor you and respect you and love you and and do everything you expect a devoted husband to do. And won't walk off and leave you. Well, to walk off and leave, y'all got to take care of that, okay? Because it's... It's kind of an iffy situation right there. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of them are driven. Some of them are cast out. Some of them run for their life. You know what I'm saying? So y'all got to work that out. That's something you work out. You understand me? But uh, you can have that expectation from God. I don't care what your past is. You don't have no past. He's 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 healed. He's 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 forgiven you and cleansed you. Clean means there's no trace of nothing you did wrong ever again in your life. You need to start living like that. See, when we go to pray and we don't expect God's best, it's because we've got something in there that's blocking our righteousness and making us feel unjustified in asking for God's best. And we know on the inside what we know is best for us. You just need to spit it out there, put it on paper, cut out a clip, and don't go, now don't go in them, uh, you know how we used to put the, Picture the airplane on the refrigerator and the Mercedes Benz on. Don't go to them uh, buff magazines and go cut nothing out. You know that brother gonna have a little belly or something there. You know that <laughs> makes you know he's human. 
Go get them magazines where you can take your finger and bump, bump, bump down all they abs. Don't do that. Right. That brother ain't going to, he's going to be spending so much time looking at himself, he ain't going to have time for you. Going to be at the gym eight hours a day. You don't want nothing like that running in your life. But I'm telling you, God will give you perfection that's perfection in your eyes. You don't have to think because you made a mistake years ago. You got pregnant. You got an abortion. You did this. You didn't slept with 15 or 20 men and women in a drug frenzy. That now you're not worth asking God for his best. You are. You're a justified person. You know you can expect his best for you. Why would you live a depraved life for so long and then expect that to come into your Christianity? But so many Christians wind up there because they don't understand they're justified. If you don't do anything, you need to get that part right. Don't be expecting to, you know, get over on somebody else's prayer for you or a prayer of agreement in your life all the time. You're justified. You can talk to God. What you expect is what you get. Now, I can agree in prayer with you for anything, but if you go away from the agreement and and start expecting second best because you made a mistake, I can't help you in that. But it's what you expect God to bring is what he's going to bring to you. You've got to expect what his word says. Exceeding abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. In other words, it's going to blow your mind when he gets here. You believe in God for a spouse, you need to believe to have your mind blowed. Just like Adam did when Eve showed up. He said... This, in the words of the late Mr. Michael Jackson, this is it. Huh? That was his response. The wow factor finally showed up in his life. You need to have the wow factor instead of a bunch of compromise. Because you know what? Deep down in you, you're still wanting the wow factor. That's why couples get dissatisfied with one another. You had God on your side, you had his ear, and then you let the devil talk you out of expecting his best. But still in your heart, you want the wow factor. So you're going to have to pray that into that lump of clay with the remote in his hand. You got me? You're going to have to pray wow into him. But you could have had wow if you'd held out before God and expected the best. You let the devil creep in there. Who do you think you are? You know what you did. Look at that. You know, nobody wants a woman like, you got three babies. Nobody wants to marry a woman with three kids. Huh? Some people got four. You can believe God for a spouse who will respect you And understand and appreciate your life where it's at now. You got me? And plan to help that life to be a better life for you. Period. That's what godly men do. They don't come in looking for what they can get out of a relationship all the time. They come in looking to help and protect and provide for that family. I don't care how many people are in that family. 
See, the love of God can do that in people's hearts. We're so used to human love. Human love says this, I'm with you, but if I don't get so-and-so and such-and-such-and-such-and-such by such a time, they consider you to be the hindrance in that. Mm-hmm. They already see a relationship as hindering them in some way. That's why a lot of them don't give you their real phone number. I'm serious. They want to call you all the time. They don't want you calling them. Because they don't want any kind of commitment. They don't want responsibility. They don't want anybody to have access to them without them having control over it. Until they get to figure you out. Hmm? Nothing but a bunch of witchcraft. That's all we perpetrate on each other. Because we don't know any better. We don't know how to respect one another. We don't know how to appreciate people for who they are. Not for what they've been through, but who they are. You know, anybody can can like you because you had a hard time just like they had. But that's not appreciating you for who you are. Who you are is a person on the mend in God. You're a person who's expecting greatness out of your life in God. You're a person who can help them to fulfill their dream that God's put in their heart to do. And it's not just one way all the time. That door swings both ways. And so until a person can see that in you, you keep praying until God brings that person before you that the wow factor. You'll know that person because God will form that vision in your heart. For somebody who's suited to you, talks the language you need to have talked to you, and understands and is going somewhere in life so that you can be a part of something that's going to be successful. We all want that. And so if righteousness does nothing else for you, it will help you to expect good. As a justified person who lives by faith, you always expect God's best. Not the best the world has to offer, but God's best. Especially in things which are real important. You know, some things aren't that important. I think sometimes we flip it around. We're not as diligent in relationships and forming good godly relationships. We're more looking for perfection in things. Yeah. You know, I got to have a certain kind of car because, you know, if I don't get that, I, you know, it ain't no good. You know, all this kind of stuff. I have two 1996 automobiles. Amen. I own two of them. Amen. I bought both of them on purpose. Do you understand me? Yes. It would be foolish for me to have a brand new automobile that only drive on weekends. You understand what I'm saying? You don't carry that that foolish faith perfection thing over everything. You take it too far sometimes. Material things, sometimes things that are used are fine. Things that are less costly are fine. Because they're going to deteriorate with the using. You know, don't get in this false faith that everything got to be brand new or it ain't God. You know, I don't want it in here. It's going to break down. They all break down. You got to be in fixed mode. See, faith people are in fixed mode. You know why? Because you got to be in fixed mode about yourself, about your spouse, your children, their schools, their friends. You got to be in fixed mode about everything. You gotta, can't get upset with something because it breaks down. You're redeemed from the curse of breakdown. Huh? But see, people who live by faith can pick it up and carry it and don't get frustrated with it. 
You keep going. Why? Because that's what success does. It keeps going. What separates the success from the failure is the, the failure stopped and the success kept going. Success is not afraid of the bills, honey. You can't do nothing for God if you're afraid of what it costs. And, 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 and really, faith is not foolish either. Faith knows when it's at the end of itself. Your faith knows when it's done as much as it can do. You understand me? And there's no miracle. See, to me, it makes no sense to, to sign a, like people did back in the mortgage bubble, the housing bubble. They signed for, for mortgage payments, three and $4,000 a month, and they weren't even making that. Well, see, God's never in that. Why would he stress you out to use your faith for something that's not even there in the natural every month when you can easily get something that is? So you saw a lot of those people lose what they had because there's no faith involved in that. You know, the preachers of L.A., everybody living in a mansion and got them little dinky churches. You better be careful what you let represent God to other people. You understand what I'm saying? Now, we're all a part of any kind of congregation. We all have input in it with our finances. You want it nice, you give some money to make it nice. If you want it average, you give average money. You understand what I'm saying? But you have to, you have to keep it neat, clean, and, and, and reasonable for people to come and worship in. But you don't, you don't pay ten times what you pay for you to live where you have God's people. They come there. Their money is reflected in that. Do you understand me? God is not so interested in what we, we uh, give. He wants to see what we keep. That's a reflection of what you think about you versus what you think about his people. So we have to get over this fake faith thing. God will give you the desires of your heart. There are times when things it's reasonable for you to not spend so much on things. You understand what I'm saying? If you get a, 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 a designer dress... We don't know if you got it at TJ Maxx or at the, you know, at, at Nordstrom's or whoever it is. You understand what I'm saying? And so it doesn't make any difference uh, in some of these things. And we make such a big deal out of them. Like we'll die. What's my faith doing? I got more faith than that. You're not living by faith. You're living by presuming, you know, that, that, that you connected with God in these things. So we got to know faith will pull in what what your what the level that it's at when you put it out there. So when I looked for a used car, I had X number of dollars to spend. I asked God to give me the best for that price, and that little truck has served me well. Two days a week, three three weekends out of the year. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to get a thousand dollar a month car note for something like that and call it faith. You understand what I'm saying? In fact, I don't pay $1,000 car notes, ever. We didn't when my husband was alive. Huh? We got smart about those things. We didn't let our wants cripple our pocketbooks and call it faith. A lot of people are losing churches now because they felt, well, God wants this and God wants that. He never told you that. 
Because if he told you that, he'd pay for it and probably pay cash. Huh? Got you and those people bound. You got everybody's mortgage in the personal mortgage for their home leveraged against that. You don't do that to people. And call it faith. Call it God's best. What God wanted for this. Not God wanted for that. God didn't tell you to bring Mickey Mouse in the church. Huh? That's what a lot of churches have now and call it God. He didn't tell you. He told you, told you to train up the child in the way he should go. Yes. Teaching the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teaching yes. the Lord's ways yes. as a small child. Yes. Disney, Disneyland, I know, don't they have Homosexual Day down there? That's what I thought. So you don't bring Mickey Mouse in the church. Huh? You don't bring an amusement park in the church. You teach children to sit still and know God. See, they'll survive when they get older. They'll survive when they get older. Are we done, little Howard? Two minutes. Oh, my goodness. What can I do? Well, praise God. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Y'all know what it means to be justified now? You don't let the devil stop you. You're a righteous person. Your sins have been purged and cleaned. You're cleansed with the blood of Jesus, never to be dirtied again. You got me? All you have to do is, is confess again. You know, sometimes God will let you, you experience having to, to weary yourself in issues. And, and, but you understand that you're justified. That's to know that this, this righteousness keeps renewing itself in your spirit over and over and over again. You don't exhaust the righteousness of God. But it's so very important for us as justified people to use our faith in everything. Don't let life go start treating you bad and you don't lift your hand of faith and pray that it would stop. And and you would have peace in your job, in your home, wherever it is you have concerns at. You've got to pray and expect God to make these things different. They're not the way they are because you're messed up. They're the way they are because the devil is going unchecked. But justified people keep the devil in check. You understand me? God, I don't care how many times I mess this up. You still have not given me over to the devil. And I know that. And I command him to stop in my life right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's the confession of the justified righteous person. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for understanding. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for peace that passes all understanding. We thank you for healing Leisha today. We thank you, Lord, amen, that she is encouraged in your love. Father, nothing can separate us from your love. Not sickness, symptoms, nothing. Not even the evil report of doctors cannot separate us from your love and your healing power, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you also for this time of fellowship to bless our bread and our water and take sickness from the midst of us and bless this time that we have one with another in Jesus' name. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you before we adjourn.